0: Hi, this is Steve Nerlick, and this is Steve's PhD, Episode 5, We Are What We Teach. On more than one occasion, my PhD supervisor has given me a steely gaze and reminded me that this isn't a science PhD, and each time I agree. At no point do I imagine ever donning a white lab coat and mucking about in a laboratory. It's not a technology, engineering or math PhD either. A bit of statistical analysis of some survey data is as close as I ever expect to get to scribbling complex formulae on whiteboards. And as much as I would like to don some protective goggles and fire lasers at things... That probably isn't going to happen either. My PhD is in education. It just happens to have a focus on science, technology, engineering and mathematics education. So if I want this PhD, I am going to have to demonstrate a reasonable working knowledge of education theory. To do that, I need to read, read and read some more and I need to go to conferences to hear from people who are experts in the field as well as hear from those who aren't and hopefully be able to tell the difference. Actually, I did go to an education conference in December 2012 and I did hear from some experts. I also gave my own presentation to ensure the non-expert community was represented. This was a concurrent conference session where about eight people usually turn up. But the eight that did turn up, knew their stuff, were probably there to hear from my co-presenters rather than me, but they did throw a few comments my way, and holy bleep, I now have this whole different angle I hadn't even thought of before. But let's save that for a future episode. My real point is that here I am in my second year of a Ph.D. and I'm becoming increasingly aware that I am a bit of a babe in the woods in the world of education theory. To address this, my supervisor has tasked me with writing what might be chapter 2 of the Ph.D. thesis. And it's on, well, education theory. If you've been following the story so far, Or even if you haven't, my PhD aims to test the hypothesis that including international study in a science, technology, engineering or mathematics degree will produce better scientists, innovators, engineers and mathematicians. But to tackle that issue properly, I really need a theoretical foundation. If you are out to make something work better, you first need to understand how it works now, how it came to be the way it is, what there is about it that needs to be changed, and then decide how to change it. And if I'm going to be any kind of expert in my field, I really need to know who the giants are, upon whose shoulders I am standing. If you haven't already stopped the podcast, I can imagine you reaching for the fast-forward button about now. So, let me reassure you that we are going to skip straight past educational essentialism, educational progressivism, and even educational perennialism, and just introduce you to John Dewey. Dewey, an American education theorist, amongst other things, wrote a book called Democracy and Education in 1916, and then another book called Experience in Education in 1938. Dewey proposed that people are the product of the society in which they are educated. In other words, whatever we teach our students, a mix of skills, knowledge, values and aspirations, is what they will bring to reality when they take over the reins of our society. So, in a nutshell... We are what we teach. Dewey also pushed the idea of student-based learning, so rather than the teacher just ticking off a list of skills, knowledge, values and aspirations to be delivered to their students, a teacher's real objective should be to produce graduates who have realised their full potential. To understand what the heck realising your full potential means, we should look to Jean Piaget, who suggested that cognitive development was all about your raw genetic potential assimilating and accommodating knowledge from the world around it. Indeed, without this interaction with the world, your genetic potential might not count for that much. So although lots of people get born with genetically optimised brains, it's their early experience, the assimilation of particular skills, and the pursuit of particular objectives that will determine whether or not they win a Nobel Prize. Piaget saw that learning was really a process of experimentation. I wonder what that pin feels like. Feedback. Ouch, it hurts. And evaluation of that feedback. It's probably best to avoid pins in future. Piaget's thinking links back to a key interest of John Dewey, who was keen on getting students actively involved in the learning process rather than passively sitting at desks, absorbing whatever the teacher chose to teach them. So, in much the same way, Dewey linked education to experience as well as giving it a social and political dimension by linking it to democracy and he wasn't the last person to link education to politics. But before we go there, I should explain that I prefer to use the word teach because it carries a common understanding, but if you really want to talk education theory, you won't get far without dropping the word pedagogy into a conversation. And really, the reason that pedagogy has become so embedded in modern educational discourse is due to a book that was published in 1968 called The Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paolo Freire. This book has sold close to a million copies, which is pretty good going for a book on education theory. Freire wrote the book from the context of his upbringing in Brazil during the Great Depression of 1929, where he saw an impoverished populace encouraged to accept their lot in life through being denied access to education. Friere wanted to encourage the development of critical thinking through education to avoid the classroom becoming an instrument of oppression. He objected to the idea that a student was just an empty vessel waiting to be filled, particularly if the intention was to fill that vessel with propaganda. A bit like Dewey, Friere argued that it was vital that education be experiential, that is, education needed to incorporate experience with the outside world. This would encourage students to develop critical thinking to question social norms and established authorities. That all sounds a bit on the politically radical side, but then Freire's political ideologies were influenced by having been imprisoned for several months and then forced to flee Brazil in 1964 after a military coup d'etat. Anyhow, these days, whether or not they agree with his politics... Most theorists agree with Friere's point that education just can't be politically neutral. It exists somewhere between the two extremes of either enforcing conformity or encouraging revolution. These days, we would say that neither extreme is necessarily desirable, but certainly all teachers are guilty of either enforcing conformity or encouraging revolution or more likely, a bit of both. Perhaps the best outcome to strive for is if each generation brings about a carefully managed revolution through teachers giving students the skills to transform the world about them while also teaching them what's worth hanging on to in the world as it is now. Anyway, I am thinking this is the sort of context my PhD should be sitting in a bit of Dewey, a bit of Piaget, and a bit of Friere, all packaged under the writings of a more contemporary theorist called David Kolb, who put capital letters on experiential learning in the 1970s, making it a whole education paradigm of its own, which has since evolved into the current trends towards contextual and problem-based learning. If you are an education theorist... This is heady, bleeding-edge stuff. It's even sexy. Anyhow, I do figure if there's value in studying overseas, surely it's about all this experiential learning stuff. In a nutshell, the message from experiential learning is that the last thing you want to do in education is to have students silently sitting in chairs, unquestioningly absorbing whatever the adult at the front of the class chooses to tell them. So perhaps we should be a bit concerned this is still how it tends to be done most of the time. But change is the one certainty we have in life. To quote Paolo Freire, I do not accept history as determinism. I embrace history as possibility. And where will this all take us? Since this has all been a bit male theorist-dominated so far, let me leave you with a quote from the enormously influential teaching practitioner and education theorist, Maria Montessori. Preventing conflicts is the work of politics. Establishing peace is the work of education. Steve Nalek, PhD candidate.